you want to get in on the action, we want to hear from you. Email us at faderoutemail at gmail.com with your questions, comments, picks, segment suggestions, you name it. We want to hear from you. We're on Instagram too. Slide in our DMs at Fade Route Podcast. Get at us. Are you in need of air care maintenance or service? I have the company for you. Air Care Technicians. They service the Westchester and Northern Bronx area and can help you with all your heating and cooling maintenance and service needs. Just give them a call at 914-315-1547. Again, that's 914-315-1547. Or shoot them an email at aircaretechnicians at gmail.com. These guys are the real deal as they are veteran-owned, licensed, and insured. Make sure to tell them that DNZ sent you. Welcome to the Fade Route with DNZ. Here are your hosts, DNZ. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of The Fade Route with DNZ. I am Z, and we got a great show for you playing today. We're going to be talking Yankees Rays. We'll be talking Carlos Rodon's no-hitter. And the shit show that was the Jake Paul Ben Askren fight. I'm I'm doing air quotes as I'm saying fight. But um, we got a little news and notes for you. A hello in the NBA and a goodbye in the NFL. Thursday, mark your calendars because the unibrow is back. Anthony Davis has said he is 100% ready to go, and he will play against the Dallas Mavericks, and it cannot come too soon for the Lakers. Since he went out on Valentine's Day, the Lakers have gone 14-16, and 16. so pretty mediocre, two games under five hundred. They were riding high at the number two spot and dropped all the way down to the number five spot. But now they can make up some ground on the Denver Nuggets who have their own problems because Jamal Murray is hurt. So as the Lakers get healthy and whole, they can ascend the standings once again, the Western Conference. And as far as the goodbye in the NFL, one of the friends of the show one of the oft topics that we have discussed on here, Alex Smith has announced his retirement after his comeback player of the year season. And we had an inkling that he would have kept going. Um, I know that we both kind of thought that he was going to end up in Jacksonville with his former head coach, Urban Meyer and be a, player coach for Trevor Lawrence who is all but sewn up as the number one pick with a week to go before the draft but Smith decided to call it quits instead and pretty respectable numbers 99 career wins 199 career touchdowns over 35,000 passing yards so 
ultimately didn't set the world on fire, but three-time Pro Bowler, comeback player of the year, inspirational story. Way to go, Alex. Right off into that sunset. Congratulations on a career, and uh, we wish you well in your future endeavors. And here he is. I've known this guy since our days on Carousel Shoes, flight crew through and through, the last QB in St. John's history. What's up, D? How's it going, man? Hey, uh, glad to be here. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss Alex Smith. I think uh, he was one of the gems of the 2005 draft. We both kind of thought that he would catch on somewhere. I still think he might. He might come out of retirement. Maybe Brady can talk him into coming to the <laughs> Buccaneers. I think Brady would want him on the team just so you know he he's that he's that nice of a guy and that good of good of a person. And uh, I still wouldn't be surprised if uh, Meyer gave him a call and tried to get him to come back. You know what it is, is that everyone's, I think, afraid to really take a chance on him. I mean, it, he, he could barely walk. If you see him walk, he walks awkwardly. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's a tough situation. You just worry for the guy. But the fact that he was able to come back and play, I know we joked around about maybe the comeback player of the year award should be named after him. It was pretty uh, impressive how he came back and, you know, through the ups and downs, he started out in San Francisco and then Kaepernick happened and JT O'Sullivan happened for a while. Mike Martz happened to him for a while. Singletary happened to him. Then he catches on with the Chiefs and all of a sudden it's like, wow, this team could be in the Super Bowl. And then here comes Pat Mahomes and takes Alex Smith's team to the Super Bowl and wins the Super Bowl. And Washington kind of helped him out, you know, the last two years. But you know, he finishes with a, with a, he finishes on a high note. He finishes as like a respectable player, and um, wish him nothing but the best in his next so, endeavors. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, he is such a cerebral and heady player. If you ever hear him talk about the game of football, he's got coach written all over him. And it wouldn't surprise me if Urban Meyer calls him anyway, because. I mean, they're going to take Trevor Lawrence. I think it's all but. I mean, Trevor Lawrence donated money to Jacksonville Charities last week. So uh, either he's pulling a Trevor Bauer and he's just trolling the shit out of Jacksonville or it's a done deal and everybody knows it's a done deal. So why not bring him in as a coach and teach this kid how to be a professional when who was the the other quarterback on this roster? Gardner Minshew? Like stash, you know the the stash. Like, do you do you want Gardner Minshew trying to teach Trevor Lawrence how to be a professional quarterback, <laughs> or would you rather? Ha- I can't even say it with a straight face. Uh, I would rather have somebody buttoned up like Alex Smith, who's been through the ringer, who's seen the highs of highs and seen the lows of lows, and he can really impart that wisdom onto Trevor Lawrence. But as far as Anthony Davis goes, uh, what do you think? How do you think this is going to turn out for the Lakers? Do you think they can right the ship, especially if it's just Anthony Davis and not LeBron yet? Yeah, I think they're going to become more formidable. It was pretty impressive how they were able to stay only two games under 500 during this stretch without both guys. Uh, I think he's been out long enough. I hear when he comes back, he's going to be on a bit of a minutes restriction. Yeah. But the playoffs are just so deep that they just need to make the playoffs and they'll be fine. And if they could maybe get 10 games together before entering the playoffs, I think they'll be okay. Well, because right now they would uh, 
they would still be in the playoffs. They would, it would be in the four or five matchup. He would they, they would play the Nuggets in the first round, and that would be actually a really tough series with no Jamal Murray and no LeBron James as presently constituted. These this team the, those two teams would actually have a really good series against each other. But if LeBron is able to make it back, and he, he should be able to make it back. The Jamal Murray injury is definitely going to sink the Nuggets, I think, if yeah, they, if they it, were playing each other in the first round. Yeah, it's kind of sad. You know, you feel for the guy because, I, I like we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago, I like the Nuggets' chances. I thought they could be a really tough draw for anybody uh, just because of Jokic, man. Jokic is just so good. I just – he's, like, in the running for the MVP, and I really think if I was getting a vote this year, I would vote for him. It's just incredible. His numbers are just ridiculous. And now he's just being able to shoulder more. I know, you know, really the front runner is Embiid, and I get it. I watched him play uh, a couple of nights ago against the Golden State Warriors, and it's it's unbelievable how, how talented he is. I really, I really didn't realize how good he is. And his ability to rebound, his ability to shoot, his fadeaway, he get to the basket, he can even dribble, and there's nobody that can really defend him. You just got to hope that he he misses. And the, the crazy right. part is, is he's really got to take care of his body a little better because he falls to the ground a lot. And I remember Patrick Ewing falling to the ground and breaking his wrist. And I think about that when he goes to the ground and he's got to he's he's got to stay off the ground. But back to the Nuggets, it's it's a tough draw for them. Uh, it'll be a good series, but if LeBron and AD are playing, it'll be over in five games. You know, it, it, these are two heavy hitters, and they're going to go back and forth, and especially in that loaded Western Conference. They are two teams to be reckoned with, absolutely. It's time for the fade-in, where we give a nod to the trending sports stories of the week. Speaking of two teams that are forces to be reckoned with, it was round one of Dodgers Padres this past weekend. And you got to give this round to the Dodgers, who won two out of three in the series. The bats showed up in the first game. They beat the Padres 11 to six, and then they went a little quiet. They only scored four runs the rest of the series. That last game, though, was a little bit of a weird moment. You had, uh, you know, it was definitely a weird flex by Clayton Kershaw. He kind of went, he kind of went a little nuts when uh, Jerks and Profar tracked a pitch and seemingly took a swing at it and uh, ticked the glove of the Dodger catcher, which is catcher's interference, like everybody knows. And Kershaw went ballistic to the, you know, he's banging his chest and he's thumping his jersey and. It just got a little heated to the point where after the game, Jace Tingler, the manager of the Padres, had to dignify it with the response. Like, he's not trying to do – nobody can do that. You know, like you're, I'm just going to actively do this. I'm going to hit the catcher's glove on purpose. Like, it doesn't make any lick of sense. But it just adds a little bit more fuel to the fire for round two, which is this coming weekend. So what say you? Was this a statement win for the uh, the Dodgers, or are we just getting started? I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm on the East Coast, and I, ju- I just don't get the rivalry. And I understand, like, the Padres went out. They spent a lot of money. They got some good players. They're going to compete this year. But we're talking about the Dodgers, who are the defending champions. Last time I checked, they got Trevor Bauer. Last time I checked, they got Clayton, 
Clayton Kershaw. They have the probably the second or third best player in the league in Mookie Betts. Like this isn't even a competition. Eh? It's I, I I don't I don't I don't really see it. They were out the, the Padres are outscored fifteen to eleven, and they were shut out in one of the games. Mm-hmm. Like I just let this play out. Let these guys go back and forth a little bit. Padres also. Uh, make a lot of errors, 11 errors on the left side of the infield so far this year. You can't be making errors that that, that many errors this early in the season. Dodgers, the- are a, Dodgers are a pedigree. Dodgers will be in the mix for the championship this year. Padres are competing to be the Dodgers. To be the man, you got to beat the man. And they haven't Woo! done that yet. They haven't done that yet. Right. So two out of three, just getting started. This isn't like a, a, a Red Sox-Yankees thing, which is also one-sided. And uh, I just I – don't, I don't see the hype. I think baseball is trying to hype this up. I don't see it yet. It's not even Red Sox – it's not even Yankees-Rays yet. Let, let's yeah. not, now you know, that now that is chippy because the the Yankees have been hitting the Rays players. Well, well, I guess we'll get into that a little bit later. But that's a that is feisty. That's a feisty you know battle between two teams. Yeah. These guys are child's play. No, this is this is wolf tickets. Like this is just hold me <laughs> back, hold me back. You know this is BS. Uh, granted, I mean the real rivalry is always going to be Dodgers and Giants. That goes back to you know. New York that takes you all the way back to you know back in the day so that's always going to be the rivalry these guys are like the the baby brother not even the middle brother they they are the baby brother in this rivalry so they're just trying to to get into the big brother's head and it seemed to have worked a little bit if Clayton Kershaw was getting that worked up over a BS thing that Jerks and Profar did it happens all the time Jacoby Ellsbury is really good at this. No one ever got into a fight over it. So Jacoby uh, Ellsbury wasn't good at much. So the fact that you think he was good at that is really impressive. Is he, he still a Yankee? He, no, no, he retired, I, right? I think he's getting Bobby Bonilla money. Nice. Good for him. Good for Jacoby Ellsbury. But Great is, signing by Cashman. <laughs> We're going to get into Cashman in a little bit. But this is round one. Strap in. It is going to get way more entertaining as the season goes on, as the Padres continue to get to know each other and get to play with one another a little bit more and develop that team chemistry, as well as the pitching. uh, Denilson Lamette is already back out of the rotation. He was activated today to start, didn't even last two innings, has forearm tightness. You hear forearm tightness, I hear Tommy John surgery. So, And then Adrian Morhan, who was in the rotation, He's also having Tommy John surgery. So this vaunted Padre rotation that we were talking about when we ordered them up as the number two rotation in all of in all of in all of Major League Baseball, we anointed them as the second best team. Their depth is definitely going to take a hit right now, especially when you take into account that they don't have Mike Clevenger for the entire season. So they can't even hang their hat on, oh, when we get Clevenger back, things will be good. So it makes you wonder, is A.J. Preller going to press that panic button and finally call up Mackenzie Gore? Yeah, I don't know if he can do that yet. Uh, I think he's I know he's itching to do it, but he's, he's, he's got to be patient. He's got to let this thing play out. Uh, we'll, we'll see where it goes. We definitely will see where this one goes, but we already kind of know 
where the Yankees and the Rays are going. <laughs> this past weekend, the Rays put a straight-up whooping on the Yankees, swept them, made them look terrible, exposed their pitching, exposed their defense, exposed their lack of timely hitting, exposed exposed Aaron Boone, exposed Brian Cashman, exposed the owners. like everything. Exposed their testicular fortitude. Everything was laid bare for Yankee fans to the point where they were tossing things on the field Friday night. Are the Rays in the Yankees' heads at this point? I don't. I don't think the. I don't think they're in their heads. I just think the Yankees are just a bad baseball team. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I, I don't even think the Yankees are pressing. Uh, I don't think the. I don't think the Yank the Rays are in the Yankees' heads. I think the Yankees are legit one injury away from the season being over. They're six and ten. They have one of the worst records in Major League Baseball. Hold on. Let me put. Let me. Let me look at the notes here. I have that they are on their worst start since 1997. They have one run in the first inning in their first 16 games. They haven't scored any runs in the ninth inning this year. And I believe they have a really bad record. Oh, I believe they have a really bad record when they're down by more than two runs. So they're having a really, really tough start. I'm actually, I have Hulu. And I'm kind of glad Hulu did not renew their membership with the Yes Network because I it ain't watching it ain't worth watching this trash. They're averaging <laughs> 3.6 runs per game and they're giving up four runs per game. But if they have Herman coming back this week and maybe give them a little bit of help, you know you're bad when Jay Bruce is like, Nah, man, I'm just gonna retire. I don't want to. I don't want to play anymore. I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for calling me up, but I'm good, guys. So now Jay Bruce is pieced out on both. New York team. So thanks a lot, Jay. I hope your I hope your I hope your plantar fasciitis is better. Um, but sounds like you're making that up, Jay. <laughs> it's it's. Did you just find that in the dictionary? Good for good for you if you did. Um, yeah, the Yankees are in trouble, man. Um, but it's definitely something that a little bit of extra work could definitely remedy, especially defense. Defense is about effort. Oh, here, and, here's the number. They're one in eight when trailing by two or more runs. Oh, well, that is a different story altogether. I can, I can take it back to opening day when you had the, you had the 10th inning and I was, I was texting my mom at the time and I said, here comes strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. And I should have put money on it because strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. And it was the heart of the order. These guys, they squeeze the bat too tight. They're trying to jack the ball out of the ballpark. And they swing too hard. Every every trope that you think of when teams are pressing, the Yankees are doing it. They're not doing the little things well. And when you're not doing the little things well, you can't do the big thing, which is win. Uh, the Yankees need, really need to keep Rugnet Odor off of the field. I mean, he... He is just a butcher at second base. I didn't realize how terrible he was. You know, I, I don't watch Texas. <laughs> I don't watch Texas Ranger baseball, so I didn't realize how terrible he was. I mean, the only thing I remember him for is knocking out Jose Bautista. So I guess that should tell me something about Rugnet Odor. But also the simple fact that he was even on this team is kind of an indictment. Why would you bring that type of player who's all bat, no glove, why would you bring him on the roster that's already defensively challenged and isn't going to get better when you get Luke Voigt and Miguel Andujar back? And 
it's uh, it's now starting to get to the point where guys who are normally stout in the field, like Gio Urshela and even Har- Aaron Hicks to some degree, they're making errors. They're fucking up. So Gio Urshela I- is the new Brett Gardner, by the way. I don't think he can really <laughs> play for any other team other than the New York Yankees, because I've I've seen him play on other teams, and he's he's awful. He he takes his mighty max juice when he plays for the Yankees, but for everybody else, he's just he's just an average guy. And you know what? That's a bunch of guys on the Yankees too. It's just like they called up Mike Ford to solve the first base problem, so they can actually keep Odor out of second base. So now they move DJ LeMahieu back to second. But that still doesn't solve the problem. Yeah, the right side of your field is fine. But now if Rochelle is going to make errors and Glaber is a butcher, that doesn't help much either. And playing Clint Frazier in the outfield, that's an adventure. It's definitely, I mean, defensively the Yankees are in trouble and they're not coming through in the clutch. And we've gone over this so many times that if they're not, if it's going to be all or nothing, the Yankees are in deep, deep shit. So, I don't know. But even with the Rays, the Rays aren't doing that great either. I mean, they're only two games over 500. So, I mean, they did just enough to beat this team. So, let's not pretend that we're anointing the Rays right now. because. But the Rays are also in second place. They are. They, they have 86 runs scored on the season. They're only minus three in differential. They're on a five-game winning streak. Yeah, and, and look at their roster. I mean, come on. Look at their roster. Does anybody expect them to really be four games ahead of the Yankees? No. <laughs> no, absolutely right. not. Well, actually, maybe they do. I don't know. Based on the results of last year. Well, you and I do, but nobody yeah. else does. <laughs> well, apparently that's the case. And you wonder how frustrated Garrett Cole is going to get once, you know, Maybe, okay, one time, maybe he'll be fine. But a repeated degromization, I don't know if Garrett Cole can handle that, where he pitches his ass off and the team just doesn't hit for him. I don't know. I don't think he really cares. This is where he wanted to play. He's always wanted to be a Yankee. He's going to... He's going to play through it. It's it's kind of like a CC Sabathia kind of thing. Like, he's going to be their guy. He's going to take them to the hill, and what he gets is what he gets. I, I, don't, I don't think he's one of the – I don't think he's someone that's going to fret over his run support. He's playing where he wanted to play. He's getting paid a ton of money. I, I, I don't I – don't, not that winning doesn't matter to him. I, I think it's just he, he's got faith in the team, and he's going to be a team player. We talked about it last week. We're going to talk about it again, and we're probably going to keep talking about it until something happens. How are we fixing these Yankees? Like, how are, is it a coaching change? Is it, you know, DFAing some of these players? Is it, you know, firing Aaron Boone? Are we going full scorched earth? Like, what are we doing here? Because it looks like it doesn't look like they're doing anything. Clear the field, turn this place into a parking lot. <laughs> That's I don't think there's 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 no fixing it. This is the this is the cards they're dealt. They're gonna get exposed as the season goes on. And like I said, I think they're an injury away from this being a total write off. I just I don't see a stretch where they're gonna be able to make up enough ground to compete with a team like the Boston Red Sox, who's got a plus thirty run differential right now. So uh, I think for them, they got to make some moves with their lineup. They've got to change some things around. 
move people around, and sooner or later, people are going to expose them. Definitely. And speaking of exposing, uh, Shane Bieber of the Cleveland Indians, he's exposing that guys just can't hit in the major leagues. He has four starts this year, and he is the first pitcher ever, 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 ever to start with four consecutive 10-plus strikeout games. Is this a product of just guys going with launch angle and all or nothing, or is Bieber just on that next level? Uh, listen, I saw this guy get shelled in the playoffs last year against the Yankees, so I'm not going to say, like, oh, wow, this was so great. I think it's cute. Uh, you're doing something early in the season that's never been done before. You're an early Cy Young candidate award winner, possibly. That That's great. Uh, I just can't get the picture out of my head last year of his abysmal performance against the Yankees where he gave up seven runs in four and two-thirds innings. And he had two walks and seven Ks. Now, Corbin Corbin Burns, much more impressive. Forty Ks, no walks. That's that's a little that's that's a little ridic- ridiculous. And uh, I think four starts. That's crazy. That is impressive, especially for a team like the Milwaukee Brewers that we did not have any hopes for whatsoever. So, good for you, Mister Burns. But um, I'm going to praise Shane Bieber on this one. So far, two and one, two point four five ERA. Yes, four starts, twenty nine to third innings, forty eight strikeouts, point nine two WHIP. So less than a Walker hit per inning. So we know what he's capable of, and he's going to have to carry. He's definitely going to have to carry this rotation on his back because after him, it's Zach Plesac, and you have a few other guys. But like, he's going to have to be the stud of this rotation. And Cleveland is really going to hang their hats on their pitching if they really want to make some noise in the American League Central or even contend for a wild card. Because, I mean, who do you have on that roster that really scares you offensively? Jose Ramirez? Nobody. The the fact that they're at 500 ball right now, they should be so damn proud of themselves. Uh, But the thing that also helps them is the Twins are playing like trash the Royals are surprisingly competing at a high level. So they're in the mix uh, in in their division. They're, they're really quite lucky. So to lose Lindor and to lose Clevenger and still be able to uh, be competing this early in the season, hats off to them. They got a good coach. Yeah. Right now, 8-8, eight and eight, they're still hanging. All they got to do is hang around and, you know, the cream will rise to the top. And right now the Twins – the Twins just lost a ridiculous game today, too, to the Oakland A's. Two consecutive errors with the bases loaded. Oakland wins. Oakland wins. Minnesota's got a lot to clean up. They got a lot to worry about right now. Detroit is Detroit. We did not expect anything from Detroit, and maybe they're a little bit better than we thought they would be, but still, not great. The no, they're, Sox, they're, they're exactly where we thought they'd be. They're 6-11. and 11. They're not... And Miggy's hurt already. That didn't no. take that didn't take long. Uh, I'm just really I'm really impressed with uh, with Nelson Cruz, man. I mean, he's banging the ball like it's unbelievable how well he's playing. His bat doesn't age. It's it, amazing how his bat doesn't age. 
I don't know how old this guy is. They say he's 40 years old, but man, he is crushing the baseball and he's really keeping the twins in, in all their, in all their games. Yeah. So, I mean, he's going to have to, cause I don't trust that rotation. It's not great. And they're going to have, they have a lot of overcoming to do, especially with that bullpen when you have to rely on a guy like Hansel Robles who can't find the plate. So it's definitely going to be an issue. Um, they won the division. They're definitely contenders. White Sox and Indians are kind of floating in the middle right now at 500. The Royals are way above schedule. They are way above water right now. So we're going to see how this this may end up being the most entertaining division in the league. And speaking of the White Sox, an hour, just an hour after we signed off on Wednesday, Carlos Rodon threw the 20th no-hitter in White Sox history. So he, the White Sox beat the Indians 8-zip, took a perfect game into the ninth inning. The 26th batter, Roberto Perez, got hit with a back foot slider. And that was it. That, that's all she wrote. The Josh Naylor hit a ground ball to Jose Abreu took a an amazing groin pulling play for him to nail Josh Naylor just by a couple of inches otherwise it would have been blown before the back foot slider but um, complete game no runs no hits seven strikeouts 114 pitches 75 for strikes Rodon he was a prospect at this point he is who he is like, is he going to fall along the lines of Philip Humber? Or is he going to kind of take this and catapult himself to be who they thought he was going to be when they took him? Yeah, I think he can catapult himself to be who they thought they were going to be. Uh, you know, Humber pitched a perfect game. Not many people have pitched a perfect game. More people have pitched no hitters in perfect games. But anytime you, you're able to prevent another team from getting a hit, it's a, quite an accomplishment. Uh, he almost had the perfect game. He got the hit by pitch in the ninth inning. Uh, I wonder, you know, I wonder if that will sit with him forever, if he if he's going to look back and say, man, I almost had it. Good for him for keeping his composure and finishing it out. Uh, I think I think they have something here. I think he could be a Mark Burley type. I think it, it, it's interesting how Chicago is able to spin out these pitchers, right? They're they're always yeah. able to find these guys that nobody really wants or nobody's really interested in, and they wind up like being really good. They don't they don't stay in a White Sox uniform forever. But uh, I I think he could use this to catapult himself to have a really good season and possibly continue it to have a solid career career. Definitely. He's still 28 years old, so he definitely has time on his side. He's had injuries in his career, so you, you hope that he has beaten the injury bug just because, you know, you, you, you want guys to at least get a fair shake. And if you, you know, if your career is taken from you from, because of injury rather than poor play, that's something that doesn't sit well with me. Um, he doesn't have to do too much because – it's Giolito, it's Keuchel. The Lynn injury may bring, may bring him up a notch to where he's now the three, but he definitely, I think he could be a solid contributor to this team, especially, you know, as the season goes on. 
And I mean, he for a season right now, he's three and zero. He's got a point four seven ERA. Point four seven. That's pretty good. It's just that's pretty good. You know? <laughs> Twenty four strikeouts and a point six eight WHIP. So, I mean, he's pitching very well right now. We're going to see if he can sustain it, but the White Sox need him to sustain it because right now they're at five hundred and. This team had expectations. This team was supposed to make moves, not tread water. Yeah, another team that we I had high expectations for were the Atlanta Braves. Currently uh, seven and ten, and they just lost their best player. Acuna left the game with an abdominal injury. Uh, honestly, I'm a little concerned. I saw this happen in live time. Uh, I, he dove back to the base. He was grabbing the area, his, his abdomen. Then he, he made his way to third. Uh, then he scored, and he slid headfirst into home, even though his, his his abdomen was hurt, and they had to take him out of the game. Right now, he's move, leading. Move, move, X-Lax. <laughs> right now, he's leading the majors in home runs, batting average, OPS, slugging percentage, extra base hits with 14, total bases 55, and runs, which is 21. He's accounting for more than half of the Braves' run for production. And like I said, they are 7-10 and 10 right now. They cannot afford to be without him. They're, they pretty much just have Freddie Freeman right now. And, yeah, I'm, I'm concerned. And uh, I, am, I, am I overly concerned? Talk me off the ledge here. Well, I can't really talk you off the ledge because it's an abdominal injury. So it's one of those things that is slow to heal and is really easy to re-aggravate. So the Atlanta Braves need to make sure they are super cautious with Ronald Acuna Jr. because of the simple fact that he is their entire offense outside of Freddie Freeman. Marcelo Zuna is picking it up tonight as they're playing the Yankees as we speak. Um, Ozzy Albies is kind of eh right now. Austin Riley kind of eh. Travis Darno is who Travis Darno is. I mean, I've, how many times have I needed to see him before I realized that? But the worst thing that could happen is he rushes back and then re-injures his abdomen. And who knows? I mean, Starling Marte also left with an ab- abdominal injury on a swing, and a swing and a miss. Turns out he fractured a rib during that swing. So... Let's just make sure that we're all on the same page here. You take as much time as you need, Ronald, because you're not, they're not running away. The Mets aren't running away with this division. The Phillies aren't running away with this division. The Nationals aren't going anywhere. And the Marlins are the Marlins. Last year was an aberration. I was, like surprised, I was surprised to see the Mets only have 30, 38 runs scored this year so far that's that's terrifying it's not a good it's not a good sign for sure uh they've already had how many rainouts and snowouts you had your first series canceled due to the covid so i mean they may be a little cold just because they haven't gotten the necessary reps as of this broadcast we are uh the Mets are in Chicago and they're not playing that well right now. I mean, JD Davis can, you know, he's a complete butcher at third base. Makes you wonder why they even bother putting him at third. They should have kept him in left, but uh, you know, they'll hang around. It, both, all of these teams are going to be bunched together. It is the division we thought it was going to be. And <laughs> if they are, if the Braves are concerned, I mean, Guillermo Heredia, like that's not, a thing like I'm sorry Guillermo Heredia is a quadruple a ball player like maybe 
they go and get Nick Markakis like you wanted if this is a long-term injury. But right now he's slated as day-to-day, but we're all day-to-day. The thing with the only worried about is I was really worried about sports hernia. Those those kind of you know creep up on you, and well, if you're not careful, and the way he just you know he swings the bat with such ferocity that uh, it, it could be something more serious. But let's hope for the best. We you know we we want we want teams to be at their best all season. I mean that's how you get really a, a true a true winner in all this. But. You know the Braves are surprisingly seven and ten. They're they're first place in the East. Uh, but what team has surprised you so far? Well, if you're just talking about record, you're gonna look at a team like the Kansas City Royals, or a team like the Seattle Mariners, the even the San Francisco Giants. We didn't really expect much from them, but the Milwaukee Brewers. They're mashing right now. They are a plus 22 differential. They are scoring. They're keeping runs off the board. So that is definitely something that is noteworthy, considering the fact that we weren't, at least I wasn't, really a fan of their rotation going into the season. San Francisco has a plus eight differential. They're only five games over 500, but in that division, that plays. They're in second place right now. We We pretty much wrote them off. I mean... Yeah, you got an older Evan Longoria. You got Buster Posey. I mean, Buster Posey, I believe, just came back from an injury. Uh, You have Wilmer Flores, Go Wilmer. Um, Kevin Gosman and Johnny Cueto are the two best pitchers on your your staff. Like, nobody expects San Francisco to do anything. And for them to get out of the gate strong, good for them. But I think the Paper Tigers are going to be the uh, Seattle and Kansas City. Their differentials are not great. They're both negative. So I think it's really more so about them, the competition catching up to them. So like the White Sox or the Angels. Houston is 7-9. and nine. If Houston gets their players back and they take off, Seattle's going that, to – that's going to slide. So that is definitely going to be that, – that's definitely going to be a thing. Who's surprising to you, positive or negative? Uh, really, uh, my surprise is the Boston Red Sox. I had these guys dead in the water this year, and they're leading the league with 100 runs scored. Their second best record at 12 and 6. Martinez is crushing the ball. And they have a plus 30 run differential, like I alluded to earlier. This was a team that lost Mookie Betts. They lost Ben Intenny. They got rid of Jackie Bradley Jr. Chris Sale hasn't pitched yet. And, uh, Alex Cora not able to cheat this year. So uh, <laughs> it's just remarkable that they're they're competing like and and, and the the AL East is 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 not a toss up, man. You have Bo Bichette and Vlad Guerrero on the Blue Jays leading their team in RBIs. The Baltimore Orioles are have a have a very good road record. They're seven to four away from home and the Tampa Bay Rays are always putting up a fight and and you have Boston at the head of the division I I I can't say that I, I that's the biggest surprise to me so far as in a good way and to a bad way it's the Minnesota Twins you know we both kind of picked them to go far this year and um they just haven't been doing it there they're at the bottom of the they're in their division 
behind Detroit, which is yeah. awful. Uh, another surprise was for me was I think Oakland started off the season 0-6 and, and then rattled off 10 wins, won 10 straight. Even Boston, they started off, I believe, 0-3, and, and then they won 9 straight. It's it's just – it's been a fun year. It's been it's been interesting to see, you know, how these teams have, have really uh, approached this post-COVID season. I don't understand – Oakland like that is insane how they were just able to flip that switch they're on a 10 game winning streak yeah right? so they were one in seven and they were like and now they're just unstoppable it's amazing how quickly things happen but that's the beauty of baseball you're never as bad as you you look and you're never as good as you look and the one thing like Major League Baseball threw some shade on the Orioles to start the season with their 0.0 percentage chance of winning the pennant, winning the World (laughs) Series. I'm not going to say that they're going to win the World Series. Kudos to Brandon Hyde. Kudos to the Baltimore Orioles. You're 8-9 and right now. You're one game under 500. Fuck the haters. Do what you guys got to do. can't help but smile when you see a balloon. The simplest occasion is a party. Westchester Popstar is located in New Rochelle, New York, offers balloon styling and decor for all life's events. Birthdays, anniversaries, weddings, showers, school and corporate events, store openings, or just because. Westchester Popstars takes balloons and shapes them into works of art, creating decorative installations for your special occasions. No event is too big or too small, and their custom personalization service is top-notch. Westchester Popstars is a private studio, quickly expanding. In-person consultation is by appointment only. Send an email to westchesterpopstars at gmail.com for more information or to schedule an appointment. No need to hire an event stylist. All you need is balloons. Currently servicing Westchester, Putnam, New York City, and Connecticut. To find Westchester Popstars, search for them on Instagram, Facebook, this has been something that's pretty interesting we usually don't talk soccer on this show in case you haven't noticed we football for us is american football but in europe something big is going on you have 12 of the biggest football clubs in the world forming a splinter organization from the English Premier League and FIFA, the Champions League as well. So you have Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City, Man U, Tottenham, Atletico Madrid, Barcelona, Real Madrid, AC Milan, Inter Milan, Juventus. Like These are household names. Even if you don't know soccer, you know these names. And this is... Something that's huge, forming a 12-team splinter group with three more teams that were supposed to be in the mix. And they were rumored to be Bayern Munich and Paris Saint-Germain and big-name teams with big-name talent. And it's all up in smoke in less than a day. <laughs> they are backing out of the t- they're backing out of the deal. 
and the specifically the six English teams, they're going back to the Premier League. And what the hell did we just witness? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it's greed. That's what we witnessed. We witnessed greed. Uh, a Super League would end the premiership of all European Cup competition. It, it, nothing would matter. Uh, most of the clubs that were trying to enter the Super League are riddled with debt. And they were going to get guaranteed money and pretty much wipe the slate clean. I think this has sent a message to all the clubs and all the leagues. And the threat of the Super League is going to make them make changes so that the best teams play the best teams and have more competitive soccer. What I find interesting is that it is it was an amazing show of force by the fans that they staged protests. They made their voices heard. They at one point uh, they barricaded one of the teams and they wouldn't let them in the stadium to the point where the one of the, the coaches was begging them to move so they could play the game. And it was definitely, I mean, it was a show of force by the fans. It was a show that we are not going to tolerate this money grab. And at the end of the day, it's going to, it would have killed the lesser conferences and the lesser leagues. And it would have killed all major competition. And in our production meeting, we talked about this a little bit. It was a parallel to the NCAA Power 5 conferences taking the football um, taking the football conference and just kind of making one big power conference. And I wonder if that would have been more well-received here than it would be over in Europe. Yeah. It looks like the other way, or it looks like they're not having it. Yeah, I mean, this is what we do in America, right? This is something that would totally go over really well here. But... Uh, the Europeans are not going to have anything to do with it. Uh, and you're talking about also the biggest sport in the world. Like we, we love our baseball, we love our football, but honestly, it doesn't have, it doesn't carry the world power that soccer does. And when you uh, disrupt the flow of over a hundred years of what people have been following and people have been watching and people have been religiously a part of, you're going to get backlash. And I don't think, I think they underestimated the backlash that they were going to get because they quickly, uh, they quickly changed their tune to the point of, you know, people graveling, like you said, and apologizing and, and, you know, changing their, their story but uh, we'll see where it goes from here. For sure. And it's not to be taken lightly that a couple of the teams that we're talking about here are owned by Americans. John Henry, the Glazer brothers. So there definitely was, there definitely was a little bit of that kind of situation going on here. And I wonder if there was a little bit of resentment on that part, uh, on that part. 
trying to impose our American sensibilities upon global football. I think the timing was poor, too. I mean, you're coming off of a pandemic. People are really struggling to get back on their feet. Uh, and you've got uh, billionaires trying to become trillionaires. Like, and it just wasn't perceived very well. And uh, it, it doesn't look like it's going to happen now. But that's not to say that it won't be revisited in two years or so. But oh, uh, sure. yeah, we'll 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 see we'll see where everything falls. Totally. And speaking of where things fall, the NFL has released some new rule changes. Some are a little bit stranger than the others. Uh, one of the ones that was really interesting was the relaxing of the jersey rule. So quarterbacks, punters, and kickers can now wear 1 through 19. Running backs can wear anywhere between 1 to 49 and 80 to 89. Defensive backs can wear 1 to 49. Linebackers can wear 1 to 59 or 90 to 99. Offensive linemen can wear 50 to 79. Defensive linemen can wear 50 to 79 or 90 to 99. And does anybody really care or is this just really just like a money grab? I think it's trash. I think it's straight trash. This idea was floated by a few teams uh, because some of the players were upset that they couldn't keep their, their college numbers, but also the idea of having more players on the roster. They wanted to be able to open up more numbers to be used. I don't want to see Jabril Peppers wearing number two. I don't want to see middle linebackers wearing number five. And I don't want to see wide receivers wearing number eight. You know, this is Bush League. This is... This is what college does. You're a professional ball player. And the pro league, there's rules and restrictions under which numbers you're allowed to wear. Uh, from what I gather, uh, from what I gather, I don't know how true it is, but I do believe it's ultimately up to the team to allow you to use these numbers. So, for instance, yes, the rule will stand for the entire league, but the Kansas City Chiefs can go to their players. No. We're sticking to the old numbers, so pick between here and there. What it will do is it's going to get more of a nostalgia feel because it's going to go back to the 60s and 70s where uh, there was more freedom in your number choosing. But I don't think the NFL needs nostalgia. I don't like it. I hate it, and I want it, I want it gone tomorrow. <laughs> well, let's think about this, right? We hate nostalgia. Uh, and the Nostalgia for the sake of nostalgia. Like the New York Titan uniforms when the Jets wear those. Those, those are, are kinda, a tr- a, it's atrocious. Those it's are kind of cool. I kind of like those. That I do like. But you're, harking <laughs> back, you're also harking back to a time that no longer exists. Because you know what? They ain't the Titans anymore. They are the J-E-T-S trash, trash, trash. But I don't know. Like All this does is benefit Nike. because not, not really. Because from what I gather, if a player right now wants to change his number like a guy who's active on a team right now so let's Uh say jabril preppers wants to take number two from what i gather he has to buy out the inventory for everything this year and buy out the inventory for everything next year and then he can switch his number so it's not just i mean granted he's got the money for it so he could do it but it's not just a, a flip of the light switch it's not just a change and like if you're if you're a fan of a player, like I have number, I have so I have a bunch of jerseys. If 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 Tom Brady decided to change his number, I'd be really pissed. I mean, I don't have his Bucks jersey, but I'd be like, man, you've been you've had twelve for forever. Don't go to ten now, or don't go to like you know, don't change it now. 
granted, it, it, I guess it's a poor example, but uh, I guess it, well, I wouldn't. Well, I wouldn't want to see like um, like when Kobe changed from eight to twenty-four. Oh, that was such a horseshit issue too. But I mean, I have eight. I never bought the twenty-four. But I guess, <laughs> I guess it would be you know more along the lines of like Roquan Smith. If Roquan Smith decides he's gonna wear number five, I mean that's kind of shitty. If you bought the Roquan. Rokon Smith jersey. I uh, I don't think it's a money grab. I really do think they're trying to cater to players and they're trying to open more things up for more roster spots. Uh, and uh, I, I, I just don't like it at all. I don't know. I, only the vainest of the vain I think will do this. And as soon as you told me about this, that this was going down, I immediately thought of Odell Beckham Jr. who wore number three in college, I believe. And this is something that would be right up his alley. I, I don't know. This is something that I think he would do in a heartbeat. And ultimately, it does benefit Nike because they get money from the buyout. They'll get money from the New Jersey sales. And ultimately, I mean, they they provide the uniforms for the NFL. So for the play, I mean, it's double dipping. They, the they're going to get it regardless. The only way they're not going to get it is if the Cleveland Browns tell him, no, we're not doing this. You're wearing 13. So would a team actually put their foot down about this? I don't know if they would. Uh, I think it depends on the team. I know I've talked to a few clubs, some historical clubs who have been with the National Football League for a while, and they were against this rule change. So I can see uh, some of the – longer standing owners making a rule that they don't they're not going to have their players abide by it maybe some of the newer teams like the Jacksonville Jaguars or the Carolina Panthers won't see won't be see it so seriously but I think teams like the Pittsburgh Steelers or the Kansas City Chiefs uh, some of the longer standing teams might want to stick to tradition at the end of the day we are fans of tradition so I think you know where we side on this one guys I'm getting hungry over here. Should have cooked up some dinner. And if you're looking for a new cooking show to binge, check out As You Eat It on YouTube, hosted by me, Chef Z. I invite you into my home and show you what and how I cook when I'm off the clock as a chef instructor. You're going to learn fun recipes and creative methods to empower and inspire you in the kitchen and take it to the next level. Cook how you want to cook. Eat how you want to eat. Eat as you eat it. That's As You Eat It, available only on YouTube. AZ, you eat it. Check it out, and let's get cooking. The Wheel Route. We are debuting something new. For you guys, and we all know how much we like new around here. I have a wheel. I'm going to spin that wheel. Each spoke on that wheel has a random topic. Whatever it lands on, we're going to talk about. You ready? Ready. All right. Here we go. Big money, big money. Big money. Jake Paul KOs Ben Askren. Is this legit or what? Uh, I mean, 
Ben Askren's a grappler. Like he's he's not a professional boxer. Uh, I wasn't impressed. Uh, I'd like to see this guy kind of take on a, an actual fighter uh, and and an actual boxer. If you're gonna if you're gonna register your hands as weapons, you know. <laughs> but the other but the flip side of the argument is is like if he's gonna get paid millions of dollars to to do these amateur these amateur trick fights, then I guess more power to him. But it's getting to the point where like you. You you knocked out a UFC guy. You 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 knocked out a basketball player. Okay, well, how about you fight a a real boxer? Agreed. So total shit show. Like the production value was terrible. Still did over a million buys. Yeah, he made so, money. Like this is the this is the future of what we're talking about here. This is like the sideshow carny shit that you know that just gives boxing a bad name. Yeah, he knocked out Nate Robinson and Ben Askren. If this was a gra- if this was wrestling, Ben Askren would have had that guy on the ground, and it would have been nothing. But as far as striking goes, I mean, I've met Ben Askren. Nice guy. Took a picture with him back when Bellator did their first show at the Garden. He's got no hands. Sorry, and now he's got no chin. So he got knocked out by Jorge Masvidal with that knee, and clearly. Like he's I, like I, was, I, felt, I felt like I was watching Brawl for it all. <laughs> oh God. Oh God. But that's the thing though. We want to we want this guy in. We want Jake Paul in with fighters, right? We're gonna put all this money in. And who's to say that it's not gonna be rigged? Like May Mayweather McGregor was rigged. I mean, don't tell me otherwise. That was fucking ridiculous. Oh, everybody made money on that. Everybody made money on that. But those are the guys that he's going to target. The Nate Diaz's of the world. The Conor McGregor's of the world. Floyd Mayweather versus this guy? Like, eventually you get up to, to Mayweather? You're talking about billions. Right, like, right, this right. is just, this is crazy. And I don't know. I mean, this is why, you know, this is why people don't watch professional wrestling anymore. Because it's bullshit. It's exactly what this is. Here we go. What else you got on that wheel? Let's see. (laughs) Here we go. No whammy, no whammy, no whammy. No whammy. The Lakers are skipping the White House visit. Is this a big deal? Yeah, I think it's a big deal. I mean, I understand why some teams didn't want to visit the previous administration, but I'm not sure what Joe B has done to not – get a visit from a championship team at the end of the day this is the president of the united states regardless of your political stance they should show respect to the office uh, i always like the idea of teams getting to visit the white house i know as a former staff member of a team this would be my only opportunity to meet an active sitting president so why take that away from everybody agreed i mean it's definitely a special occasion and it's one of those things that you know you look forward to but like lebron james said echoing for public safety and public health. I can't totally hate that decision from the standpoint that we're still not out of the woods yet as far as the pandemic goes. And to have that big of a group of people together in a a confined space for that period of time, I I get the concern. I get where he's coming from. So make it up at a later date and all will be well. I, I'm fine with that. It, it's not a political statement. It wasn't 
due to any malice or anything like that. It's just a victim of the time we're living in, and I can't really fault them for that. Spin that wheel, Pat. Here, here we go. So if you're Pat, am I Vanna? I think so. You just made yourself Vanna. The Vancouver Canucks are playing again. They just won. Are they this year's Miami Marlins? Uh, I mean... <laughs> I don't know. That's a special one. Oh, my goodness. That, that might be the lightning round. Uh, Well, I mean, Holt be really helped them out. Uh, they get the Senators for four straight games, and the Senators are 0-5 against them so far this year, being outscored 22-7. So they have something to play for. I, uh, it's exciting, right? I, I think it's very exciting, and, and I'd love to see them really come back and battle. I, I wouldn't compare them to the Marlins because the Marlins literally had to get people off the street. Uh, all these people had to recover from it. Their families had to recover from it. The coaching staff had to recover from it. So uh, they have a lot to prove. You got $99 in a job? You can be on the Vancouver Canucks. Um, they're 18, 18, and three, 39 points. The top four teams make the playoffs in this updated playoff format for the NHL. They're chasing the Montreal Canadiens. They're only eight points behind. So they still have an opportunity here. They have 39 games in hand. So they played 39 games. They still have. 12 more to play. They can totally make a run here. They're rested. So if anything can happen, and they have the goalie, that's what matters to me more than anything. Braden Holpe has demonstrated that he is a playoff caliber goalie. He's won a cup. So he definitely can stand on his head and put the team on his back and really carry them. Where they need to improve is scoring. They only have 109 goals. Their differential is minus 16. They got to clean up their defense. They got to put some pucks in the net. And Braden Holpe may just have to stand on his head for the last 12 games of the season. Clean it up. Clean it up. Got that, Canucks? Order up. All right, guys, the order up train continues this week. The best football movies from five to one. Who you got? All right, man. At number five, I'm going with Varsity Blues. Uh, Every little thing counts. Still waiting for a girl to greet me with whipped cream. Uh, (laughs) And if I ever get a pig... I'll have to name him Bacon, but definitely it was a it was a great movie that I watched when I was in high school, and I try to catch it whenever it's on. Number four is the program. Joe Kane, Darnell Jefferson, and Thunder Wright talks about the pressure of college football, steroid use, money under the table from alumni, cheating, substance abuse. Good movie. Good movie. Really feel uh, good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> all good things. All good things. Uh, <laughs> Remember the Titans is my number three. Uh, Strong side, right side. Talks about school segregation in the 1970s. It's actually based on a true story. Uh, Truly remarkable what Coach Boone was able to do, uh, bringing black uh, children and white children together to play football in Alexandria, Virginia, in a really tough time. Uh, Number two, I know it's going to be high on your list, is Rudy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Who does not get goosebumps watching Rudy? Another movie based on a true story. 
guy gets to play with Joe Montana. Come on. I mean, <laughs> here well, co- <laughs> I mean, if you listen to Joe Montana, that shit never happens. So. <laughs> uh, he recorded a sack and uh, has his name up in uh, the rafters over in Heritage Hall over there. So good for Rudy. We also got caught in an uh, insider trading scandal. Kind of sad, oh. but he, he's still all right. He's all right. He's all right. Uh, he's on Cameo. Uh, number, number one, number one is any given Sunday. Uh, I always enjoyed the conversation between Jamie Foxx and Al Pacino, uh, who's the, the head coach and, and the quarterback. Uh, I think Lawrence Taylor did a great job in that movie. And it, I think it really, de- it depicts the best live action of football in a movie that I've, I've probably ever seen. Uh, I'm interested to hear your top, uh, I'm interested to hear your top five. The inches we take everywhere. Like, it's such, I mean, it's Pacino at his most Pacino. Like, that, that's, it was a very good movie. It was very tough. That one's actually my honorable mention. Uh, any, any given Sunday, you know, Oliver Stone did a great job with that movie. It was very competently acted. The football looked real. It just wasn't enough to crack my top five. For me, number five is Remember the Titans. Yeah. Very well done. The only problem with it is that Ryan Gosling is the worst defensive back in history. He got burned on every play. I don't know how they went undefeated. Number four, Brian Song. Yeah. Billy D. Williams, James Kahn, you know, Lando Calrissian, Sonny Corleone. It's just, it's a heartbreaking story based on the true, true friendship and love between Gail Sayers and Brian Piccolo. And how can you not tear up a little bit watching that movie? Number three, you're going to think I'm crazy, but I got a soft spot in my heart for this movie, Little Giant. No, I knew right. you were going to have it. One of yeah. us was bound to have it on our list. No, Little Giant, I mean, the football isn't great. It's not supposed to be great. It's a kid's movie. It's a feel-good movie. At the end of the day, like, who doesn't watch that movie? And who's Icebox Lee Block? The annexation of Puerto Rico. Like, come on. Like, what's not to like about that movie? Number two, The Replacements with Keanu Reeves and Gene Hackman. I, it's a guilty pleasure movie. I love Every time it's on, I watch it. Like, Gene Hackman as a crusty old coach and Keanu Reeves as a washout quarterback trying to make good again. And it's just, it's just something. Johnny that's Utah. Well. It's like. My name's Johnny Utah. I don't care. <laughs> and number one is Rudy. I mean, yeah. come on. Rudy is Rudy. It's an iconic story, even without the cameo and the insider trading. <laughs> uh, Sean Astin did a great job in that movie. Uh, introduced the world to Vince Vaughn and John Favreau before Swingers. Oh, yeah, that's um, right. Eddie Harris was in that movie for Major League. He was the coach. Dan DeBond. What the hell is he doing? <laughs> what the hell is Who he called doing? that play? Crisco, Bardall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that, that movie, I mean, it's a story of determination. It's a, it's a feel-good story. And how could you not get fired up watching that movie? The truth is, you can't. Because it's it's a great film. So tell us what yours are. Email us, faderoutemail at gmail.com. Hit us up on our DMs, Fade Route Podcast, or on Twitter, Fade Route DNZ. What's your list? Let us know. Thanks for tuning in tonight. You can catch our podcast every Wednesday nights on the Anchor, Spotify, or other 
outlets where you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, stay faded, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Rate us five stars. Leave us a review. Turn on subscription notifications and tell your friends. Spread the word. Spread it wide.